Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and God bless you today. Thank you for joining me. Today we're continuing in our Beauty of Grace series, and we are looking at Lesson 28, The Character of Grace. In the last few episodes, we've been looking at the gifts that God wants us to use in service to Him. We looked at the commission of grace, the overarching commission that we all have to introduce others to Jesus Christ. And we looked in the last lesson at the charity of grace, how important it is in every situation and ministry opportunity to always operate in love. Because of the charity of grace, the love like God's own love, that we develop and let abide in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's desire is to then form His character in us, develop character in us. So today we want to look at the character of grace. Character is talking about the mental and moral qualities distinctive in an individual, attributes and features that distinguish someone moral excellence and virtue that marks you specifically. It's talking about a firmness and a solidness in you. For instance, you will hear maybe a phrase of some something about someone where it says it's out of character. That means it's not in line with what you know to be true of that person. It's not in line with that person's usual traits or qualities. For instance, you know of an individual, you know an individual personally, and you know that they are always honest, sincere, caring, etc. But then you hear an accusation that this same person that you know very well has robbed a store or done some other form of an evil deed. And you know that that action would be out of character for that person because you know them closely, you know them personally. So character refers to who you really are as an individual, who you are when no one else is looking, who you are from deep inside of you, what you are like innately and inherently, who you really are at your very core. It's revealed primarily when you are alone and no one but God sees the real you. God cares about the real you. He's invested in you the riches of his gospel and an inheritance that is reserved in heaven for you. He deposits in you the gifts and callings that you then use to serve him, as we've looked at in several episodes prior. He has saved you. He has redeemed you. He loves you. He provides, leads, and cares for you. And he spends time daily working in you to develop your character and bring you to maturity and a deeper relationship and peace with him. He develops your knowledge of him intimately and he has great plans for you. Jeremiah spoke of that in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. When his people were in captivity in Babylon. He sent the letter to them and in there wrote that God has great plans for them. So even if you're in a rough spot right now, it will not last forever. There's coming an end to that. 
And through that, God is developing you to be able to walk in the great plans he has for you because he's working daily to develop character in you. He works constantly to develop this character through his word, through his Holy Spirit's work in us, and through our intimacy in prayer and time with him as we get to know him more and more and more. In Psalm 51, we have the recorded prayer of David of repentance when he had done wrong by Uriah and Bathsheba. And so we see him record these words in verse 6. He says this, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. In the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. He goes on and he says, Purge me, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. So David here is attributing to God the fact that God desires truth down inside of us. He wants the real us to be firmly established and trustworthy and truthful. He desires, he is bent toward doing that. He's inclined to do that. He desires it for us. This truth is speaking of trustworthiness, firmness, reliability, continuous and faithfulness, stability, it's based from a root word that means to build or to support. It's talking about a certainty and a rootedness. God wants truth, faithfulness, trustworthiness, reliability, this firmness to be rooted inside of us solidly down in the inward parts, in our innermost being, in the inner regions and recesses deep inside of us and in our inmost thought. This word speaks of integrity. Integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles rooted inside of you. Moral uprightness and virtue, a state of being whole and undivided, firm adherence to an internal code of moral ethics, soundness and completeness. A synonym for integrity is character. There's an article on billygram.org by Jim Daly entitled Developing Christ-like Character. I'd like to read a few quotes from that article and he mentions a few things here such as the thing that makes the difference is that we are answering to God foremost. It's a life that's lived out in reverence and respect for God. Genuine Christian character involves sacrifice, as we saw when we looked at the charity of grace, God's type of love. A person needs not only affirmation, but also discipline of mind and spirit. Character also seeks to cultivate the kind of disciplined life that bears the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it boils down to committing ourselves to a lifestyle of repentance in terms of an immediate willingness to stand corrected on a moment-by-moment -moment basis in our walk with Christ as the Holy Spirit deals with us. 
the Holy Spirit dwelling in us will affirm our alignment with God's ways, and he also will automatically and immediately signal us with an internal sense of his conviction when we stray from those ways. Our response to that, which is repentance, literally means a change of mind, a change in course. We make a mid-course adjustment at that moment. We're in the middle of a sentence, and if we are wrong, we stop. It isn't some climactic moment of full sanctification, but rather a process. The moment-by-moment sanctifying work of the Spirit of God. That moment-by-moment continual work to cleanse us and to develop character in us is what the author of this article is speaking about as I've interwoven in here some of his comments. God will convict us when we when we go astray and we simply go back to the word of God, 1 John 1, 9, and we confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May God make us all so that we are what might be called neck-reined, which means in the training of a horse, a horse that is neck-reined is so sensitive and mindful of his rider that he will gently, the rider, the rider will only gently have to touch the neck of that horse with a rein to be able to communicate to that horse the exact direction or action that the rider wants it to take. A neck-reined horse is a very well-trained horse and a sensitive horse to correction and to direction from the rider. Praise be to God, may we all be neck-reined. There was a moment when David was neck-reined and David immediately felt that conviction of the Holy Spirit of God when he cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And the Bible says his heart struck him. That means the, the Holy Spirit of God immediately corrected him, immediately signaled to him that that was wrong. And he shouldn't have done that. He should not have taken matters into his own hands. And so we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He will affirm us when we're right, when we're walking in God's ways, but he will also signal us immediately and automatically with that internal sense of his conviction when we walk astray. This author goes on to discuss the process and our reliance on God to do the work. It's the Holy Spirit, the agent of grace, who brings to us the very character that we need and only he can do it. He goes on to discuss how lots of time, if not most times, it may be that it includes fiery trials and testings that will develop that character in us. This character that we're speaking of, the character of grace, is Christ-likeness. It's being like him in every way including the type of person inwardly that he was. His inward characteristics developed inside of us. As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts, we read where the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. 
And when you look at that word Christian, it simply means Christ-like. Or, or some have said that it could be seen as little Christs. Not that we become Christ, not that we become the Son of God in the flesh, not that we know. We're not talking about that. It simply means little Christ in the sense that we have the same character that he had. We make our decisions the same way he would have. We show him to the world. We live our lives to show the world Jesus, not ourselves. We live our lives to show him and to lift him up and people can see how he is because they're able to see him in us, his character developed in us. Character is also called integrity and in many places in scripture, it's translated as truth. In scripture, truth is defined and described as God's very word. Oh yes, the absolute truth for all of life and every matter concerning our lives. But it also includes the moral excellence of an individual to live in accordance with that truth of God's word. The two are interconnected in that the word of God is what forms the character or integrity inside of us through the working of the Holy Spirit of the living God. It's a moral code of ethics and practice that is based and comes forth from a vibrant and real relationship with Jesus, who is the living word. And the way this is developed is through time with him in worship and in his word, and through walking life with him, through various tests, through various trials, through all of our circumstances and the realities of our lives. The goal is God wants to develop his character in us. So let's see a few examples from the scriptures of what the Bible has to say about this moral excellence, this character, or this integrity. Learning God's word requires the discipline of study. In order to rightly divide God's truth contained inside and know how to apply it properly to our lives, we must study. We must make diligent effort to substantiate that we are approved workmen. Let's read that in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says this, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's understand this verse because it's very important. In order to rightly divide God's truth, and apply it properly in our lives daily. We must study it. That requires discipline because it requires diligent effort. And when we put the effort in to read and study, memorize, etc., the Word of God, then it substantiates or it approves us as a diligent student and servant of the Lord. And that's what's required for us to rightly divide the word of truth. Now, what does that mean? It does not mean to chop it up and decide what you like or don't like. It's not where we get scissors out and we say, okay, we like this part, so we're studying, we're keeping this, we're not going to keep this. We're going to throw out the Old Testament because it's not needed anymore. Well, then take your scissors to half or more of the New Testament. You'll only be left with shreds. 
because in the New Testament, there's all kinds of connections to the Old Testament, including direct quotes and direct references. It does not mean we get to chop it up and decide what we like or don't like. That is not what's meant here when he talks about rightly dividing the word of truth. It does mean, however, to cut a straight course. In other words, to make a straight and smooth path for it, to be able to understand it and teach it or apply it rightly and straightly, to be able to teach it, understand it, and apply it correctly in our lives, what it really means. It means to hold a straight course or to proceed on straight paths. You now understand it and can articulate it and apply it correctly in your life, in your health, in your ministry, in your family, and this requires discipline and diligence. It's similar to developing habits of a disciplined life that bring you better health. For instance, brushing your teeth every day is a very healthy thing to do, but you've got to get in the habit of that. You've got to be trained in that, and then you've got to practice it and practice it and do it and do it until it becomes rote in you and you're disciplined at that point that you're just going to do it every single day. It will make you better. It will make you healthier. It's similar to developing an exercise program. Boy, oh boy, does that take discipline. But when you develop some type of exercise program and plan under the advice of your doctors and medical professionals who know your condition so that you are doing the right thing for you, it will begin to make you stronger as you are faithful and disciplined to do it. It's the same kind of thing with the Word of God and with the life of a Christian. We must develop habits of a disciplined life. Part of those are daily reading the Scriptures. Jesus spoke of our daily bread. As a matter of fact, it's part of the model prayer He taught us to pray, that we would partake and God would grant us daily bread, not just physically in our needs and our our food, but also in the word of the living God, because that's the bread of life. So we have to develop a disciplined life in prayer, in the word, reading and studying it, memorizing it, learning it, a daily disciplined life of worship to him, of doing life with him, of answering his Holy Spirit's conviction and his Holy Spirit's call to us, attending church or being in some fellowship with other believers that will build us up, doing family altars, for instance, with our family, etc., developing habits of a good and disciplined life. And these will make us better, spiritually healthier, and even stronger. In 1 Peter 1, verse 22, it says this, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Peter tells us here it requires obedience to the truth of the gospel and its character-building work in our lives that will work that charity of grace, that love inside of us. He's building character in us as we obey the truth of God's word. 
And as we get to know the God of the word of God, praise be to God. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, it speaks of the armor of God. It's part of the section of scripture that Paul writes to the Ephesians talking about the armor of God. He gives us a full suit of armor. One of those pieces is called the belt of truth. In Ephesians 6.14, it speaks directly about the belt of truth. Now, in the full armor of God, there were seven total pieces. Five of them were primarily defensive. Two of them are offensive. But all of them are held together with the belt of truth. And yes, that truth is the word of God. But as we've also seen in this lesson, it is also the integrity of our lifestyle in line and obedience to that word of God. Without that, we have a hole or a kink in our armor and the enemy knows it. And the enemy knows when it's not true of us, he will find that hole and that gives him a way to get to us. Do You see, it's not just knowing the word of God and expressing it. It is having the integrity of the character of God that will back up our knowledge of the word, that will help us to be found to be a workman who does not need to be ashamed. It will substantiate our lifestyle and close up any kinks or any holes in our armor. The belt of truth is the word of God, but it is based also on the integrity of our lifestyle in obedience to that word. So integrity based upon obedience with the word and the work of the Holy Spirit, as we become neck rein, very well-trained individuals, Christians, is absolutely essential. It provides for us the solid belt of truth that holds all other pieces in place and secures them, which enables us to be covered with the full suit of the armor of God that he provides. John the Apostle also speaks a little bit about this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 and verse 8. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So John is talking here about our lifestyle again, a practice of it, a customary habitual lifestyle development. It made me think of a couple of examples. First of all, like learning an instrument, learning to play in a band, for instance, clarinet or oboe or flute or timpani or a piano or a guitar. I remember earlier days, many, many years ago, when I first learned to play the piano. And my teacher early on had me practice my scales over and over and over and over again. I had to practice my scales. But once you learn your scales, then you move on to reading, understanding, and interpreting the sheet music and following it to make beautiful sounds with your instrument. The scales can be quite boring at first, but they are important. Another example that came to mind is rote multiplication tables in school. 
writing and memorizing these as a child over and over and over and over and over again. But they became very important in practice later on. And I still use those multiplication tables from time to time, even now as an adult. So they formed a basis and a foundation, just like the scales do when you're learning an instrument. It's very important that we understand that the Word of God and learning and developing character is similar. And it requires practice. It requires discipline. It requires diligent, habitual effort. It also requires humility, recognition of our own sinfulness and failures, as John wrote here in 1 John chapter 1, our need for Jesus and his Holy Spirit's work. John spoke in his epistles about obedience in reality and in real actions that prove and substantiate that we are truly born again by the truth, by the Spirit of the living God, that we are of the character of Christ. In 2 John chapter 1, it only has the one chapter, and verse 4, I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. Walking is speaking about treading all around, living and following the Lord. It talks about a lifestyle. He talks about this also in his third epistle in verses 3 and 4 of that chapter. And in 3 John chapter 1, verse 12, verse 11 and 12, he speaks of imitating, patterning our lives after what is good and right or the kind of character of Jesus. And then in verse 12, he gives a living example of this character, someone he knows personally and testifies that he has the type of character that should be developed in us, the character of Jesus. And it forms a testimony of that person. John knows his character. Know that the Holy Spirit's work of grace includes a work of character development inside of us and that that is a great thing. God's goal is to make us like Christ into his image day by day. We are first called Christians in Antioch to be little Christ or reflections of Jesus and his character, those who are like him and who properly represent him because of that integrity and that character of Christ developed in him. We need this great work, and we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to bring it to pass. Hallelujah. It's a good thing. God wants us to have the character of grace. We have more beauties to come in coming episodes, and I pray that you can join us for those. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.